0: mm mm-hmm. The cup, where we will be spilling all sorts of tea about what's going on inside Washington, D.C., what regulators and lawmakers are thinking about and working on, and what you and your credit union should be focused on in terms of risk areas and areas of opportunity. I'm Ann Petros, your host, also vice president of regulatory affairs here at NAFQ. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by none other than Jim Nussel, who is president and CEO of CUNA and you know now we've got some really big news right? <laughs> <laughs> the credit union industry was shook to say the least uh with the recent news about the uh, nafQ cuna merger on the horizon and um you know you will be the the lead of the new association pending of course you know the vote and and the the process uh leading to that point so is this a little surreal for you uh
1: you know Because there's been so much conversation about a potential NAFQ merger over the years. Right. I'm sure there's there's probably some that are saying, seriously, it took you this long? <laughs> uh, and I'm sure there are others that are very surprised because right. it's, you know, there have been moments in time where I I know the, the marketplace, our credit unions have thought, well, it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys sometimes. So mm-hmm. there's probably a little bit of both on either side, but the fact that we're on the couch together here, able to talk. That's right. Um, and the fact that our boards are working so well together, that Dan and I are working on uh, a transformation of Mm -hmm. this organization uh, for the future uh, so that we can serve the credit unions of the future, I think is really exciting. And uh, I'm I'm honored to be any degree of part of it uh, because of the great work that our credit unions do for the people that they serve. So it's exciting more than probably anything else, I would say.
0: Absolutely, well, you know, as you mentioned, this concept of CUNA and NAFQ merging is nothing new. Um, it's been a conversation for a while now, um, but you know, now that the the boards have have voted to make this a reality, some might be wondering, you know, why now? Like you said, why did it take this long? Or you know, what about this moment um, is unique?
1: Yeah, why now? Indeed, yeah. I mean, because you're you're right. Uh, many of the things that that the boards talked about that brought us to this moment in time are not new. So as I listened to the conversation, I I tried to listen very carefully to what individual board members were thirsty for as they were thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. And there are things that are not groundbreaking. They said, how can we create uh, one voice, uh, where we're presenting, whether it's to regulators or to policymakers, legislators. How do we present one consistent, relentlessly aggressive advocacy voice uh, to uh, to policymakers? And that's pretty much if you if you had to put all of the conversations into one bucket, that was the bucket it was in. And I think there are certainly differences between our organization that probably either made it difficult for for board members of the past to maybe see that. Mm-hmm. And maybe even the board today to ensure that we don't lose the best of CUNA and the best of NAFCU. And so they were very, um, very direct with me and with Dan and with each other about let's not create a some, you know, CUNA 2.0 or a NAFQ 2.0. Let's create something big, bold, new uh, that took the best of Mm -hmm. and made it even better. And Mm -hmm. that's what, that's the, that's the marching orders. And I am excited because I think the, the teams that I've had a chance to talk with both at CUNA and NAFQ are all in for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, there's always nervousness when there's a merger. And that's natural, right? Right. Uh, But but I'll tell you what, the people who work at our two national trade associations, which will soon be one, are super passionate for credit unions. And that's not going to change. Hopefully, it'll even grow.
0: I'm sure it will. Yeah. But, you know, all good things take time. It does. So yeah. No question there, about there's it. There's a, a transition process and um, I'm sure the, the kinks will be worked out in that process. Uh, but what, in your mind, are the actual benefits of a single National Trade Association? I mean, you talked about speaking with a single voice, right? Is that the primary uh, benefit that credit unions can expect here? You know, what what really is the purpose?
1: Sure. I'll take it one step further. So my dad, my dad for 50 years, believe it or not, was a choir director, right? Okay. So one voice is not what I'm,
0: what I think <laughs> sure. about when
1: I think about creating one voice. I think of a choir. I mm-hmm. think of how... There's going to be differences of opinion. There's going to be uh, different kinds of credit unions. There's going to be different regions of the country. There certainly are different members that we all serve. Mm -hmm. There are different ways to serve those members. Uh, There are going to be uh, different challenges that we will see on the horizon from a policy standpoint, no question about it, let alone market disruption. That's coming. So we don't need one voice. It will not be just one voice like Jim. It's a choir of voices across the country that hopefully are in harmony as much as possible, Mm -hmm. are well-practiced and well rehearsed Mm -hmm. uh, on the credit union difference, on why we do what we do, for whom we do it, and uh, why uh, that credit union difference is relevant long into the future in the way we serve our members and their financial well-being, or advancing their communities, or serving uh, the credit union members of the future uh, with whole new services and products that that might be available, Uh, that's what I hope we can Mm -hmm. create. And I think that's what credit unions will expect. It's not one size fits all. It's a uh, one voice, one uh, one coordinated voice uh, that takes our credit union difference to policymakers in Washington. I think that's what they were looking for. Sure.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, not that CUNA and NAFQ have widely divergent views no. on issues. You know, a lot of it is in alignment already. But um, you know, I agree with you that that having a a single entity to through which to funnel, you know, those those views and perspectives and relay them to regulators and lawmakers is probably most effective. No, no
1: question about it. Plus, there are a lot of things that that are different about our organizations that that I can, I mean, I just think of what you're doing here right now. NAFCU's communications have always been excellent, if not superior, when it comes to our national trade associations. You guys have just always done really well at communicating, not only to the general public, but also to uh, policymakers and to credit unions. Mm-hmm. And this is a great example of it uh, where you have uh, an opportunity to talk about policy, to talk with leaders. We were talking about uh, former CFPB directors mm-hmm. and, and others that have been here to, to talk. And I think that's something that when I think of one voice, that's what I hope we don't, not only don't lose, but are able to build on. Right. Um, and uh, I, I think those differences uh, can be, uh, uh, can be things that we uh, that we take into the future and make even even better.
0: Yeah, differences are not always a bad thing, no, right? And and learning to leverage those differences to to create something even better is um, kind of the dream, right? Yeah, so it really is. yeah, what would you say to <laughs> those who <clears throat> maybe want to see hard numbers and data about? let's say a cost benefit analysis as to, you know, why this merger is is, is the best decision for the credit union industry. I mean, we talk to regulators and lawmakers all the time about cost benefit analysis. So what does that look like in this instance? It's
1: a fair question. And it's one that we're still working through. Obviously every, I mean, if you go through a credit union merger, you go through due diligence and it takes a while to get to that kind of bottom line of, of, of what What's different, or what will what will be the uh, uh, the economies of scale, things like that? And We don't have that yet. I, I can't mm-hmm. whip out a sheet and say, "Well, here's the here's the actual numbers."
0: It's still pretty early. To it is played. a little. It is
1: very early. Um, <laughs> the good news is, I think we're going to see them. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: We've seen it with other. National associations, not necessarily obviously in financial services, but others where they had multiple uh, associations that were able to merge. And not only were able to show a value, uh, a value proposition that was stronger in in, let's say, communications, creating that one voice mm-hmm. or in advocacy, but also were able to do it with an economy of scale uh, that recognized that our members, uh, are, you know, their, their dues dollars that they pay for this are pretty precious in this, uh, right. uh, in this day and age. And they don't want them wasted. They don't want them squandered. They want to put, you know, lead on the target, as, as some people would say. And so we're going to go through the due diligence process and be able to present that at some point in the future. But the preliminary numbers that we've shown the board suggest that we're going to see some good strength and economy of scalers a result.
0: Excellent. All right. Let's talk about vision. So what is your vision for America's credit unions? And how is this new association going to be different than CUNA and NAFCU? You said we don't want a 2.0 of either existing association. So what does the, the brand new one look like?
1: Yeah, so we know what we don't want. So what do <laughs> exactly. we want, right? Yeah, um, well, first of all, I, I've spent the last week in my basement dreaming this up and I'm oh, ready right, to announce yeah. what it is. <laughs> no, actually, that's I, I say that to be facetious because I think now is actually a moment. So I certainly have some ideas. Don't misunderstand sure. me. And I'm listening very carefully to our teams uh, mm-hmm. to understand what certainly NAFCU believes is their best and what CUNA believes is their best. But I also think this is an opportunity for us to listen to our members and our partners to say, what do you see? What do you want? What's important, what's valuable to you as you think about the future? Mm -hmm. So that it's not just one person dreaming this up in their basement or a few of us in an echo chamber sitting around saying, this is what we think. Now is a moment to, to listen to our members very carefully and say, all right, where do you think the puck needs to be or will be Mm -hmm. you eight, 10 years from now? And how do we make sure we skate, as Wayne Gretzky would say, to that puck, to to get there before it even arrives and be as valuable as possible to credit unions of the future? And uh, how do we build our team around that? How do we build our strategies around that? How do we resource that uh, is the opportunity. So a couple of things that I think are probably table stakes. The board wants us to create one strong voice of communication. So that, it seems to me, is a job that is is required. And I, I think everybody would say that as I've done some just preliminary listening uh, to, to members and just kind of getting feedback, they like that it's one and that we're together and we're stronger together and right. we're able to present that. Second, uh, without suggesting these are... Uh, uh, They're no in no particular order. Not a, yeah. a, but but advocacy, how we take that one voice and then apply it uh, mm-hmm. to advocacy, mm-hmm. to influence, which is what advocacy is about. How do we right. influence the policymaking process? And I think NAFQ and CUNA have both strong, uh, very successful traditions when it comes to advocacy that we can – Uh, Put together, Uh, we bring a strength of grassroots uh, Mm -hmm. and our connection to the states and the leagues. Mm -hmm. You bring a nimbleness and an aggressiveness uh, and great communications and and a a real purposeful uh, advocacy that uh, we can learn from and we can put that together and say how can we build the best uh, advocacy for the future. We're already, I think, credit unions are already given very high marks. As as you know, oh uh, certainly, yeah, yeah. When it comes to whether it's regulators or on Capitol Hill, when it comes to advocacy, but uh, I am not suggesting we have hit, you know, the uh, the pinnacle yet. I mean, mm-hmm. we we've got an opportunity to build on this, and we're going to have to. As you know, the policymaking process is getting even more complicated, sometimes sure even more dysfunctional, <laughs> and our ability to disrupt that or yes. to influence mm-hmm. that. Uh, is uh, has got to be job one. Right. And then the third is, you know, what are the services that uh, are are truly impactful and and valuable to the credit unions of this of mm-hmm. the future that they really can't get from someone else? How do we become the, not only continue to be thought leaders, uh, but also the place where, as the cooperative principles suggests, the place where all the cooperatives can come together, And solve problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be that network, if you will, to say, what can we do together that is better than what we could do separately? So those are just three kind of areas I would look at. um, But I don't want to build it in my basement. I cannot wait to continue to get more feedback from members about what they think is valuable and what they want.
0: Yeah. So we want a lean and efficient association that provides strong advocacy and and provides the services that credit unions need and want and maybe can't get elsewhere is what I'm taken away from this, but how do that's credit, a start, right? <laughs> yeah. How do credit unions get in touch with you and share their perspectives and and what they want to see?
1: Well, both uh, Nafq and Cuna, I'm told, are building an opportunity for just that kind of feedback mm-hmm. on our websites, uh, so that you can not only get information about the merger, uh, but also be able to influence that. Plus, you've got to vote. I mean, obviously, uh, the credit that, unions that's part of it, right? Yeah. And I know as a uh, recovering politician, that you not only have to ask for the vote, uh, but people, before they give the vote, they want to know they've been heard. And mm-hmm. I I think uh, we're going to go out and do a lot of listening uh, at a number of events that are already being scheduled. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be, I know, in 12 states that that I'm aware of just on my calendar in the next few weeks to a month.
0: Wow, that's a busy travel it schedule, is, well, but it's necessary. It's what you
1: need to do, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> Having been a, like I say, a recovering office holder myself, um, you know, you, you, uh, the, the doors you knock on are pretty important, but the one you miss is a vote that you miss. So yeah. we're, we're going to do our best to try and reach out and listen uh, to as many credit union leaders as possible, and we want them to feel like they've had an influence uh, in the future design of the very important national association that they are creating.
0: Yeah, this is their association. This is
1: after theirs, all. yeah. Well, right. we we run a member association or just yeah. member organization just like they do and yep. they know how important it is mm-hmm. to listen to their members. So Exactly. Yeah.
0: All right. So so why should credit union support this merger? What is your elevator pitch, right, aside from what we've already covered? In- it
1: it yeah, I mean it it certainly is the one voice mm-hmm. and then it's the impactful, relentless Um, advocacy uh, that actually can be measured and can move the needle in Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. and across uh, the various states. It's recognizing that our credit union industry and and movement is one of the few industries that has not had the complete uh, uh, overhaul and disruption that many industries have had. Ours is coming still. Believe it or not, for yeah. those that feel like they've already been disrupted, there's more to come in financial services. And how do we position credit unions in the best possible place? Not because of the organization, but because of the people. Because mm-hmm. that's what this is, as we all know. It's it's people serving, people helping people, making a difference in their financial lives. And that's what we want to be able to do. Ensure that all credit unions are prepared for. So that's the reason to have one place you can do that uh, and to not have it uh, diluted in any way, shape, or form. So,
0: all right. All right. Well, that, that's pretty convincing, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the members feel about it as we move forward. But, um, you know, it sounds like you're encouraging everyone to, to share their thoughts, reach out to NAFQ, reach out to CUNA, and and provide your perspective ahead of this vote. You
1: know, and and I don't, uh, yeah, and I, the only thing I would just add is that I don't want it to just be uh, happy talk about, it's great that you're coming together. Right. This is truly an opportunity to say, okay, I like what you do here, do more of this. Mm-hmm. Or I really have not been very fond of what you did over here, do less of that. Um, so there's a little bit start, stop, You know, do more, yeah. do less uh, that we hope people will, will reflect on mm-hmm. as they think about what their credit union, what their teams need and what their members need for the future.
0: Yeah, you want yeah. candid feedback. We not really just do. Lip yes, exactly, yeah. All exactly. Right. Well, let's transition a little bit into some policy-related sure. questions. There's a lot going on, both on the legislative side and on the regulatory side. Um, credit unions face a number of challenges when it comes to specifically non-interest income, yeah. um, including, you know, legislative efforts to. Uh, expand interchange fees, for one, uh, regulatory efforts to limit so-called junk fees. I hate that term. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. um. In your opinion, having you know been a, a lawmaker before, uh, you know what do you think is the motivation behind these efforts? Like, why why now? What well, is you, the impetus. Yeah, I
1: mean, you know the answer. It's money, right? Yeah. They're they're looking for money, and uh, they're they're look, You know, these days the margins are so thin that um, uh, any penny here or a penny there mm-hmm. really in anything, transactions or or price really does impact people's bottom line, whether you're a credit union or you're a merchant. And so there is this Battle going on. The difference, though, is what we've discovered, and I, I think this is true for both CUNA and NAFCU and other independent studies that have been done. The merchants aren't passing the savings on uh, to you know to the consumers themselves. We haven't seen that. It's not they're, they're pocketing yeah. it, and and I don't know if that's really all that surprising. I mean, there's gambling in Las Vegas. Of course, they're going to pocket <laughs> right. every penny that they can. But the point is, is that so don't kid us. Don't mm-hmm. don't fib to us that in fact, this is about, you know, the merchants, what we're doing um, is we're, we're paying for everything from security. uh, We're paying for the cost of of providing this important service Mm -hmm. uh, so that members can actually ride the rails of payments, which, you know, if, if they didn't would cause all sorts of havoc within the economy. And so, you know, I think that this is a, this is a money grab for merchants by and large the big box ones in particular and uh, that's what's going on
0: so it's not really an issue of competition
1: no i well they say it is but it's you know it really isn't that's, that's not what that's that's their
0: at. sales pitch that's, that's oh yeah
1: oh yeah well that and you know they're they're being squeezed and you know that's funny because the to me at least it's having been on the other side of the desk as a as a member of congress listening to this you know, to hear the big box retailers coming in using the small retail, the small businesses on main street mm. as their kind of human shield for this is really, uh, atrocious, but they're doing it. Right. And, um, I think we have been very effective, uh, credit unions in ensuring not only that we were delivering the message, but backing it up with good data studies, mm-hmm. exactly where has the money gone? How has it worked? Um, and as a result, I think we're winning right now. If they win yeah. this, if the if the merchants somehow win this, it's going to be a sneak attack. It's not going to be mm. a full frontal assault on the merits. It's going to be somebody like Durbin again sneaking this into something at the last mm. minute when nobody's looking, and then having a must pass bill. That's exactly how, right. Yeah,
0: people are not going to want to compromise in the eleventh hour and try to sort it all out right? again. Yeah.
1: So that's and that signals to me that they don't have the facts on their side. They don't have mm-hmm. the data on their side. They need uh, a, a policymaker who's whatever, just uh, basically kowtowing to them and sneaking it in in the middle of the night. That's the only way they're going to win. Because we've put, I know on, I, I don't know the total numbers, but I heard over the weekend we've already put over 70,000 messages on Capitol Hill wow. uh, when it comes from credit union. Uh, Folks who are just saying, you know, protect us here, help us with this. We want to be able to provide this service to our members and protect their data. So uh, as a result, Mm -hmm. I think we're, we're doing well, but we got to plan and look for that sneak attack.
0: Mm-hmm. And on the regulatory side of things, with the junk fees, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, there? well, junk
1: fee, as you know, is a political phrase. There's mm-hmm. no well, there there are junk fees, I suppose, but they're you know they're are fees that are that nobody sees. They're not transparent. They're snuck into a hotel bill here or a gym membership yeah. there, Do they or really a cable exist bill in the
0: financial services. They industry? don't
1: because we have to be so mm-hmm. transparent in every fee that's charged. There are laws. It's for all that. delineated. <laughs> yeah, and so. Uh, uh, you're exactly right. It's it's uh, there are junk fees in the world, mm-hmm. but not in financial services because of the regulation that we have and the fact that we are very transparent with our members mm-hmm. about what these things cost them.
0: Mm-hmm. So on both of these topics and really any issue, I mean, how are NAFQ, CUNA, the leagues and and credit unions best able to to share the potential impacts of these? Policies or proposed policies, you know the, the impacts that they could have on their institutions and communities
1: Well, we do it together. I mm-hmm. mean that's the first thing the the somewhat uh, dirty secret, it's not dirty secret, is that uh, over the last year in particular, CUNA and NAFCU uh, have been coordinating a lot of these activities already. We mm-hmm. kind of knew things were being discussed. And so our board said, hey, let's, let's work a little bit more closely together on this. Don't look for differences, look for similarities. And we've done that. Uh, together with the leagues who have done an excellent job, I think it still comes down to our formula of influence, which is Tell a really good story about how this impacts the daily lives of people mm-hmm. and their financial well-being. Back it up with data. I mean, don't just don't just tell a good story. Back that story up with data so that they can yeah. show the impact uh, not only in their credit union but across maybe in a macro sense the the economy as as a whole. And then ask for the ask for the sale and uh, mm-hmm. whether that's at the local level. We got August recess going on right now, and all of these members of Congress and senators are home. Uh, they're already starting to campaign. They're certainly doing public forums. That's mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. opportunity to go, you know, s- stick your finger in their chest and say, <laughs> hey, I want you to know what this does. Yeah. Um, and so, and then you've got the NAFQ Congressional Caucus coming up at, in September. A number of um, of um, uh, league hike the hills that are going to happen mm-hmm. in September. So a number of credit union voices are going to be coming to Washington in September to Mm -hmm. talk about this at a very critical time. Because as you know, this is where a lot of the final decisions of the year are being formulated. Uh, So with all of those together, I think we've got some impact that we're going to be able to bring to bear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Data is critical. And I know, you know, NAFCU did a comprehensive survey on the on the junk fees and credit card late fees issue. I know, you know, CUNA got a lot of data as well that they included in their comment letter. Um, and providing, you know, those those stories that um, about, you know, the, the impacts to your members are are really, really important for regulators to hear. You know, we had a grassroots push. And I think hundreds of credit unions submitted their own letters and stories to the cfpb just like you know you do on on capitol hill it's it's important to to have that same engagement with regulators because it's one thing for them to hear from us right we're we're lobbyists they hear from us all the time it's it's not as exciting um but when they're hearing directly from the institutions that they regulate it it seems to make a difference
1: well and from their homes i mean so many of these members of congress and and regulators are members of a credit union.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: it's it's pretty pretty cool when it comes right down to it. So they, they know because of how often we've been doing this, we're not strangers. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a trusted brand, not only in the marketplace for financial services, but a trusted brand when it comes to advocacy. Right. And they can rely on what we tell them, the data we provide, the stories that we tell. And as a result, um, I think we can have a lot of impact. So-
0: mm-hmm. And what's your advice to credit unions as they try to prepare, you know, risk management strategies and potential alternatives to maybe some of these fees? I mean, overdraft is another area that's gotten a lot of attention. The CFPB has been sort of on this pressure campaign. Yeah. So how do you think about alternatives and, and preparing for you know, that risk?
1: Well, first of all, I've said, and I I think this is true, at least from my experience, it's true, that we have to win this battle before anybody will take us, um, I was about to say take us seriously, but just uh, invite us to the table uh, Mm -hmm. if there's going to be any future look at... Payments and things like that. We've got to beat them at this game. We got to beat them so they don't put something into a bill or or sneak something across. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, there have been a number of great forums at the state level, at the national level, NAFCU, CUNA, uh, that have talked a little bit about how they can share best practices and ways uh, because everyone is going through this. It's not unique. There's not a mm. credit union someplace that has just woke up and discovered that they need to have alternatives. Everyone's talking about this. So right. there are a number of great forums that are going on that um, uh, where this is being problem solved and where people are – that's the one unique thing about credit unions. We share – we share the good things. We also share our misery and yeah. and come up with solutions to that as we uh, as we go forward. So I think there's a lot of good things happening in that area.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's 100 percent right. I always learn a lot when I talk to credit union leaders, and so just that networking. Uh, yeah. and engagement with with your peers can definitely um, change your perspective. And and, you know, and my you guess is, maybe you are didn't... you
1: doing that at the at the at the congressional caucus? Will there be some of that?
0: We will, that? yes, yeah. definitely. Um, specifically at our large credit union summit, we have a number mm. of roundtables planned for that. We have um, a compliance roundtable, general counsel roundtable, and a chief risk officer roundtable. Um, some of those will run concurrently, but the goal is to engage and that sort of networking, idea sharing and you know strategizing yep. really like how do we approach this together in a collaborative fashion that makes our industry well positioned to tackle uh, um, these issues and you know put up a united front? And
1: that's I think the difference because there's a lot of I know I, you probably have heard this too, you go to a lot of other, Conferences or you talk to colleagues in other industries and we don't, we don't hear about those industries sharing information, data, problem solving the way credit union leaders are willing to do. And so it'll be exciting to hear a little bit about how that goes uh, as, as. As you go forward too, so yes, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, another issue that credit unions are are dealing with is you know related to liquidity mm, and interest mm-hmm. rate risk. Um, obviously, given economic changes, you know, following the pandemic, it's been a um, challenging few years, to say the least. So do you think that regulators have been understanding of the difficulties that credit unions are facing, and have they been helpful along the way?
1: Well, I mean, I think that you could say the jury is still out. NCUA (laughs) kind of uh, came into it, I'm going to say, a little late, uh, but they Mm -hmm. at at least showed up um, and provided, uh, provided an opportunity to at least Uh, ensure that credit unions and leaders knew that they were going to take that into consideration. I think that's important. the other good news, and, and the economic data continues to come in, and, and I think our, our folks have uh, have chewed on it and, and given some perspective on this as well, is that it seems to be ebbing, which is good news too. That's right. Uh, that some of the recession uh, risks are not as prevalent as they were maybe a year ago at this time, uh, that everything from, as some might say, the stimulus combined Mm -hmm, with what mm -hmm. the Fed has done has provided a certain um, uh, softer landing or maybe completely soft landing uh, to a recession. Mm -hmm. So again, that hopefully will uh, reduce some of that risk. But it's still out there and making sure that, as you say, our regulators recognize that Mm -hmm. uh, and work with our folks uh, is, uh, is something we need to keep pressuring them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, economic conditions are certainly improving, you know, the, the, um, severity i guess yeah, of of right. interest rate hikes is not as as high um and you know the chances of a recession i guess are lower than right. than we thought a year or so ago and so um things are looking up but there still are some difficulties especially in conveying to regulators and lawmakers that credit unions are in a unique position and there are some statutory limitations for example yes. that that make it particularly difficult for credit unions to to compete in in environments like this. Um, Are there any potential improvements that come to mind for you, uh, you know, to the Federal Credit Union Act or state laws that could... Help credit unions better navigate, you know, these uncertain times.
1: Yeah, it's so yes, and and a number of those bills, as you know, both both NAFQ and CUNA have had uh, introduced, and and they're working their way through everything from expanding the fields of membership, and but I, I think you're right about the um, uh, the issue. You know, we credit unions uh, probably different now than ever before are really at the tip of the spear when it comes to how consumers are navigating the difficulty of any economic changes Mm -hmm. or challenges Um, because they tend to be the place. So many banks, small banks in particular, have left the field uh, and larger banks aren't even servicing uh, uh, smaller uh, uh, borrowers anymore. And so it's really credit unions that have moved into that position and so I think one thing our policymakers and even even our uh, even our members of Congress are not yet as sensitive to as they could be is that there is no longer the equality between mm-hmm. uh, credit unions and banks when it comes to consumer uh, finance. Credit unions are filling that gap. Yeah. We are the small town, uh, the small community, the small neighborhood lender. Uh, mm-hmm. The other ones have left. Right. Uh, and so they have to recognize that anything that um, provides us a, maybe a traditional legacy barrier uh, to providing that finance is going to make it difficult for that for that community to uh, be successful or those individual uh, consumers to be successful. Managing their financial well-being, managing uh, their daily lives, uh, affording their lives mm-hmm. are all things that credit unions do now. That used to be either equal or even the prerogative of a lot of us small town uh, community lenders. They're just not there anymore. They've mm-hmm. been gobbled up. Uh, and um, especially, if you think of my my state of Iowa, uh, those small banks, they're gone. Or they've yeah. been, they're now part of a regional bank and uh, it's much different. So I think making sure that they recognize that as we continue to push many of these policy changes is something we need to Continue to do a better job mm-hmm. of of communicating. So
0: I do think CUNA and NAFU were both very effective in highlighting that difference, especially during the pandemic with the PPP yeah, loans, for example. Exactly. Right. The member yep. business lending cap is in place, but credit unions, you know, were able to step up and and meet that challenge and meet consumers where they were at to yep. provide the really critical loans that these small businesses on Main Street, you know, needed and couldn't get anywhere uh, else. Right. Because banks, banks were weren't... saying no thanks. Exactly. You know, yeah. this isn't worth my time. And I've got better investments to make in in my communities, more lucrative, right? Profitable investments. But obviously that's that's not what credit unions are about.
1: Right. Yeah. So. It's the old adage about, you know, banks lending to people who actually don't need to borrow right. was very true during yes. during during that phase. And a lot of the small t- I mean, especially, you know, new businesses that are often built in your basement or your garage that are one or two employees, Mm -hmm. usually, you know, mom and pop, as they used to say, um, they don't have a line of credit anywhere. anywhere. So Mm -hmm. being able to go someplace uh, and start that off that is seeding the economy of the future and uh, because every business was built in somebody's basement or garage it wasn't you know very very often uh, or very seldom is it uh, does it start with 100 employees Yes. Yeah. well so... you see a
0: lot of the businesses in silicon valley right, right? they started yeah. in, in a garage Literally, somewhere yeah. actually Apple, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: microsoft right. right so that's exactly right and i i don't know if um, uh, I, I don't know if that's something that policymakers have the sensitivity to that mm-hmm. and and that's our job how do we continue to tell that story backing it up with data using those not only mm-hmm. the stories of individuals but the impact it has on the communities is something that we're going to continue to press on so
0: yeah all right Another topic that has been gaining a lot of attention and has been a focal point certainly for this administration um, is climate-related risk yeah. issues surrounding ESG policies. Um, NAFQ and CUNA both agree that you know the NCUA is not and should not be a climate regulator in this space. But if it's not the NCUA, then then who is it, right? Who is the, what agency is best equipped to to step in and regulate in this space? And, um, it, you know, on a more macro level, how do we as a society and as an industry manage and and mitigate this this risk that, um, for you know a lot of communities is is very real as we see you know increasing um, incidents of of climate related disasters. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's a hard question. Yeah, your second question is really good. And I don't know, but I'll tell you the first, what I, my belief about your first part of the question is that who is best to regulate that? This may sound corny, but I really do believe we the people. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's where credit unions gain their strength and their regulation. With all due respect to all the regulators that think they're regulating uh, financial services, uh the best is still the member is still the mm-hmm. consumer member who walks in the front door and says this is what i want and this is how i want it or i'm leaving because you're not providing it mm-hmm. that's still the best regulation out there is is the is the people themselves uh determining what's best so when i think about uh esg uh whether it's the environment or social responsibility or uh, or governance uh i think about the member first and what do they expect how do they already regulate that uh, it doesn't mean that credit unions can't and shouldn't uh, be able to fill gaps particularly in some of the environmental lending that is out there uh, that that is the future in mm-hmm. in a number of communities and uh, again, we have those uh, policy statements and ways that we think that can be expanded. But I really still do believe that the best regulator is the consuming public and the members who our credit unions serve and listen to very keenly mm-hmm. about what they expect, what they want, and what's important, what's their priority for the future. So,
0: so I think you may have actually answered the second question. Did I? It's, it's <laughs> collaboration, right, within the industry, setting Standard setting, you know, policies and guidelines that are going to allow the industry to develop, you know, transparent um, processes that they can share with their their members about, you know, this is our policy on ESG, and and this is how we're going to move forward, and this is what's important to to us, and and you know. Um, Managing this risk internally and how we work with our communities, yeah. right? If it if it comes from the ground level, so to speak, and credit unions working together, um, networking and developing standards independently. Um, they're probably going to stick to those standards.
1: Right. So I agree. And uh, and I hope policymakers will understand that as yeah. well. But you know as well as I do that they're going to want to act. Right. right. They're going to yeah. want to step in. And... Here's our regulator right. that's going to do that. Or mm-hmm. here's our agency that's going to do this. Yeah. And that's true not only at the federal level. It's true at the state level too. So there will be a number of efforts uh, to try and look like they're solving it. Uh, by creating something or passing a policy, and most of that will get in the way and disrupt the relationship that we have—consumer yeah. to credit union or consumer to anything. Um, so, I think we're we're both saying the same thing, and I hope that I hope that we're able to show leadership. I think we have. I believe mm-hmm. that will mm-hmm. be enough but uh having watched these folks for a while i think they're going to try and big it with some kind of one size fits all public policy that's that's their tendency always and we've got to figure out a way to yeah. to some extent um instruct them and and uh, push them in the right direction
0: right because that one size fits all approach always and, leads to yeah. great policy and right? There, so. yeah right <laughs> that's always worked <laughs> Yeah, so let's avoid that if if we can. Um, any any parting remarks for our viewers and listeners today?
1: I think I I would go back to the the issue of this is your association, mm-hmm. right? And um, that's how credit unions were formed uh, back when the first credit union was formed uh, from mill workers up in up in New Hampshire coming together saying let's solve a problem. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's what a national association is. It's the it's the folks coming together. It's people. It's not a credit union is people. So people have to come together and they have to say, this is what we believe should be the priority. And so this is an opportunity, this is a unique opportunity that does not come around that often where members of this association and a future association mm-hmm. can say, these should be the priorities. And there are so many ways to do that. You can obviously seek out uh, me, I've got I I put my cell phone and email out for the for the public. You're welcome to share it as well. Um, that's one way. Mm-hmm. We're all represented on boards. Uh, so there are there are members of the CUNA board, NAFQ board, uh, that are that are representative of constituents across the country. They I know are thirsty to hear what people are thinking about. Uh, And then there's going to be a number of forums. Mm -hmm. Some will be virtual, some will be in person, where you have the opportunity to ask questions or to say, look, this is an opportunity to to reset some priorities. This is what I think is important for the next 5, 10, 20 years into the future. So because relevance, I will tell you, the one thing that I continue to hear from leaders is we want credit unions to be relevant for years to come. Absolutely. And our national association... Uh, should be helping lead that effort, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope that people will engage in this process as a result.
0: Yes, I, I hope so as well. And so this is this is your moment. This is the time to you know speak on behalf of your institution on what you think is important in the industry and and share your perspectives on what you want um, to see from America's credit unions. Soon, soon to be here. Soon to be. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. And thank Jim thank you. This has well been done. a great conversation. Um, Thank you to all of our viewers and listeners for tuning into this very special episode with Jim Nussel as we discuss the NAFQ-CUNA merger and policy issues that are important to your institutions. If you enjoy watching and listening to The Cup, please subscribe, hit the like button, turn on your notifications so you get alerts about new episodes and Provide us your recommendations on what you want to hear about next. We love uh, hearing from you and uh, look forward to seeing you on a future episode. So until next time.